0: Hello, and welcome to this, another episode of Frame and Reference. I'm your host, Kenny McMillan, and today we're talking with Alejandro Mejia about his work on the film Son of Monarchs, which just won uh, one of the prizes at Sundance just recently, and it's well-deserved. It is a gorgeous-looking film. Alejandro absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, I spend the first few minutes of this interview uh, gushing about it like a nerd, so um, highly recommend that you seek it out and watch it yourself. Um, you know, with all the, as with all the Sundance films, um, I don't know when they'll be made available or distributed, but when they are seek it out. Um, this was another one where I only had him for a half hour. So we just kind of get right into it, uh, to talk about his work on the film. And as such, in keeping with the theme, I won't spend too much time on this intro. So um, if you are interested in naturalistic lighting, if you're interested in anamorphics, if you're interested in uh, good, just solid (laughs) uh, modern cinematography, this is the podcast for you. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. So, So without further ado, here's my interview with Alejandro Mejia. So to start, uh, I watched the film last night. Buddy, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous work. Uh, (laughs) I was really uh, impressed. Talk to me about um, everything. All the lighting just seems so controlled and so uh, just perfect indoors and out. Talk to me about what your approach was to lighting uh, outdoors, especially, but then also obviously indoors.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the... I think for me, it was very important to respect the natural locations. I am coming from a still photography background. So I think, and then I switched sometimes between documentary and fiction film. And especially from this one, I was coming from 499, which is another future film I shot that is a hybrid that I got the best cinematography at Tribeca last year. And now it's jumping. Yeah, I was jumping just from that project to this one. So I think I was carrying that influence. And for ninety-nine I I didn't use any like artificial light or film light. It was all available light. So I think especially in the natural light, I feel very like confident of like observing and controlling and trying to shoot at the hours or like moving the characters in a zone where I can have a little more control. And um Another thing is Alexis, the director. He was very specific, especially indoors with the lab, that everything needs to be accurate in the way they put the microscope. They use this, the light, how it is. So that was uh, I, I will say at the end, he was respecting the the nature of the reallocations. You know?
0: Sure. What what was so it was mostly like a grip show, like a lot of um, diffusion neg. What was what was your package there? What were
1: you dealing with? Yeah. I mean, and outside I was using uh, some, I use like the negative in one side, like 12 by 12, 20 by 20 when we're in exteriors. And uh, and I like to use also like some diffusion as a bounce, you not know, that it's not too too hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes I put also the black fabric on the floor and uh, it depends like the but for example, in the butterflies, I was not able to do that. That was all like camera and lenses, no? Because we have to be very respectful with the colonies of butterflies there. So no reflectors, no nothing. It was just like camera and lenses.
0: Yeah. What uh, what, what was your camera and lens package? It was very, um, I assume, anamorphic. They were real beautiful, mm-hmm. fudgy around the edges, real classic vintage look. Hawks, maybe? Yeah that was my no it was
1: the no it was the lomo round front the russian ones uh and um yeah uh and the uh, alexa ari ari alexa mini uh that's one package that i use a lot and for 99 i shot uh, with also anamorphic lenses but the kawa the japanese on this one i i switched to the russian look and uh yeah and i was doing some tests and i I think my f-stop was around four, five point six, where it's like kind of the sweet, the sweet spot of the lens, and Mm -hmm. uh, and also combining with these steadicam movements, not that we were a lot like that, like kind of floating as a butterfly kind of thing around the character. That was kind of our approach on that sense.
0: Yeah, that uh, you know I've always said that uh, the first scene of any movie really dictates you know it, it tells the audience what we're going to be doing here and that that opening scene just like the shots of the butterflies are really just beautiful and sort of um, ethereal almost and then uh, the dissection thing mm-hmm. just you know you, man uh, you are the king of backlight my bud you like <laughs> really yeah, good uh, like,
1: yeah yeah I lo- I love that I love backlight because I think for me, that I, I always start that that way, no. I put a backlight, and then from there I'm like, okay, then I need or I don't need. And I also love to use uh, the ND filters, of course, in the camera and the and the Pola. That mm-hmm. was my package on filters. It's funny because these lenses, the Lomo, you you cannot use a matte box because the focus moves like with the matte box. So I was not uh, able sometimes my my AC made like a little arm that we were putting like in front of the lens especially in interiors and then we use diopters for all these shots that you oh really you, yeah and only actually not in the the section but on the tattoo i used the um, uh, the master prime 100 uh, macro lens that was the only difference and the uh, and we connect the Canon C300 to the microscope directly. There's an adapter, and you connect that, and then you have all this like new world in front of you.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask because the uh, the microscope shots are very like they fit exactly with the look of the rest of the film, which I wasn't. You know, you, you would assume a microscope. I was like, either this is being faked somehow, or <laughs> you know, something. But yeah, those those were uh, awesome. So you did that with a C300. Yeah,
1: with C300, and uh, that's one. Th- Sometimes I think, yeah, the C300, it's, it's a good combination with the iris. It's kind of a good b cam. You can like kind of make it look alike. And of course, that was uh, a good, good uh, work of uh, the colorist Elie Acoca, which is in, in France. He's famous. He's the colorist of uh, Blues the color, Color, And uh, his mm-hmm. dad is also the colorist of Amélie. So that's when mm-hmm. they built this like studio in France, in Paris. So I was able to work with him in this one, and, and I think he really made like a, a good job. I think it's essential also that part no, like the colorist and understanding, especially now at the distance with the pandemic, it was crazy. Totally.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask um, what what was the look in camera that you were getting like? How are you exposing um, your image versus what the colorist did?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I develop a, a look uh, a lot uh, where I was more than a, a look for the movie. I was controlling the highlights, no, especially in Mexico because the light there moves like faster and it's 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 brighter, especially like now in the winter, no. Here in, in New York, in the winter, you have this more like side light that stays there more time, and um, so I was that was easier to control. In that sense, but then I, I built this lot for for Mexico to control the highlights. That I was always like, oh, I'm I'm not gonna like cross that border and uh, and that, and respecting like in terms of the look, it was a little bit desaturated because just because I don't like the the Rec 709. if It looks like so TV for me, but it was just as a reference. Then after that we were like checking and talking with the colorist and he totally understood that it was like a very naturalistic look that we were trying to get. And then we started to share references and like, I was working a little bit on Photoshop, like sending him just mini corrections. And then from there, also we decide how to difference the present and the past, which was the other thing we were like, no, we don't want to go black and white. We don't want to get crazy with that. It's like a very subtle, a uh, little, two, three points more of uh, less saturation on that one in the past than the present. And that that was it. No?
0: Were there other films that you were kind of uh, looking at that you, that informed the look, or what was the deal there?
1: The 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 deal was more like the real life. Like I, I usually I love to 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 get references from like photo books. I have a big collection. Uh, so. So I'm I coming, you know, as I said before, from the still photography world. And, uh, and I find always there are more inspiration than in other movies, because movies, I, sometimes I feel like, oh, we're going to copy and I and I feel not really comfortable getting into that world. So in, the, in this in this sense, uh, we were exploring like Alex Webb and uh, you know, like famous photographer that he, he has like books about Mexico. He has these like strong colors and compositions. And, uh, and also I had the chance like back in the days to to have as a mentor Graciela Turbide, which is also a, a Mexican famous photographer, more black and white, but all this like day of death and like small town vibe, is like coming from her. And, and then for, for the macro world, we were like, Alexis, the director took me to this, uh, he has a colleague uh, it's also a French guy that he was doing a conference, I forgot his name now, but uh, he was making this um, transforming genetically the the butterfly wings and he built like uh, an alphabet through that. So I was in this conference and all these like slides and then he shared to me and by email, that was like also a, a new, a completely new world for me. And, um, but yeah, we were kind of respecting also the locations. Now, when, when I went the first time to the lab and I saw this like pink purple light where it was like one scientist working, I was like, wow, this is the way they work. That's kind of trippy. And they were like, yeah. So then I was like, OK, so I took pictures and I was trying to replicate as much as I as I could, like the the real vibe because Alexis was very precise on that. Like the lab needs to be exactly the same. I don't want the scientists telling me the microscope is wrong or like, you no, know, which it happens all the time in these kind of films. And so we were respecting and and finding also that the scientist world is kind of very similar than the art world no? in that sense. Like they are like more introspective people getting in their own offices and like they decoration. So we were like kind of like influenced by that. No?
0: Yeah, I was actually that's funny you bring up the uh, the colored lighting because I Mm -hmm. in my head when, you know, there's there's a scene kind of halfway maybe through the movie where he's just completely lit by purple. And I did have the thought I was like, all right, getting a little uh, getting a little creative here. But you're saying that that was just what it looked like there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and the same with Mexico. no? like a lot of people is asking me like, oh, I didn't know that like Mexico looks like that. And I was like, yeah, because we, we have always the idea that it looks like in Sicario or all these movies, no, that it looks sepia, dusty, and like creamy. And and I was like, no, we, I was, I think, also a, a new place for all of us, this little town in the middle of Michoacán where all the butterflies, they come in the winter. And we discovered that place. And I was like, for me, it was like a little town of Europe, kind of that vibe, you no, know, with all these like colors, and and then the forest you no know, by itself it's a it's a big source of inspiration
0: yeah that that uh valley i guess was just beautiful mm-hmm. those landscapes you got were awesome um oh i wanted to ask about the uh the car scene there's a car scene where you're getting these uh sort of overs while they're driving how was that rigged up yeah
1: yeah that was like the classic rig from the window like you, that you put the camera actually they cut it on the film but but it was like a big sequence where he comes out of the bus and then he's walking to, to towards the, the truck and we were not cutting. And I was like kind of panning and then the, the car was leaving with the camera there. But, oh, really? um, yeah, and I was like, oh damn, that was not on the phone. I mean, they cut it because it was too long. But uh, sometimes I like to to do this kind of magic things where you are like, oh, how how, no? But then, yeah, it was like the classic Greek outside, like side, and then the other one just trying to combine. Sometimes I was putting a little light, a little, I think, astera inside, just to have a little like feel there because like the forest is also, no, it's a big contrast. And these lenses, I think the, one of the characteristics is like they're a little contrasty there. For example, the kawa are like more like soft in the contrast, more creamy. But these ones they're already like you have to and especially in Mexico where the light is very hard, you have to be careful with that, you no, know, and like not get too too crazy.
0: Yeah, what made you uh switch from what was the reasoning behind switching to the uh to the lomos?
1: Yeah. If you already I think I, I with mean, the other ones. Yeah, because I think uh, I always try to to uh, be open and experiment in new projects, because I think I don't like to be like in a comfort zone where it's like, oh, I find my Cook S4 it looks amazing with Alexa Minion and I'm just gonna go that way. Because for me it's kind of boring and and I, I need this challenge when I'm when I'm shooting nowhere, like how I'm gonna solve. And that was the example in 499 that I, I didn't use any light. It was all available light. I was in anamorphic lenses shooting this hybrid documentary fiction film and I was very focused like every frame I was really thinking how I can make it look poetic without having even a gaffer you No, know? so in in this next project I was like okay I cannot repeat myself No, you know and mm. and, uh, and I have to to experiment with these other lenses I was like sure that I want to keep an, on anamorphic but I was like I want to use the I mean of course I, I have Ex- previous experience on short films with both and uh but but it's not the same when you're like in this long-term project but i think uh i'm i'm very happy with the decision because i think for the character it was it was good like he he's an amazing actor the notch and uh and i think we kind of really connect visually and like personally in the in the film no with the with these lenses
0: yeah no I did, again i i, I could say how much I love the film over and over and over again. Trust me, I love <laughs> it. Uh, what? Um, Thank you. Uh, talk to me about your, your um, transition from being a photographer into a cinematographer. How'd that happen?
1: That happened when like the digital world came. I, I was studying photography when I was 17, like with film photography, and um, I was able to also... I went to Norway as an exchange student, and I had the chance to work with a photographer there, Life Gabrielson, and also see this like minimalism in the maximum expression there in Norway. No? and so when I went back to Mexico, I was doing these little projects uh, with some governmental grants, and then um, yeah, I I think was yeah when like the digital cameras, I started to feel like oh I'm I'm losing something. But at the same time, when I was still doing still photography, I was always bringing my audio recorder. Then I switched to a Handicam video recorder and like always shooting my friends and things like that. So then I went to the visual arts school's, school. And uh, and after that, when I graduated, I, or before that, I started to do my, my practice in a production company in Mexico City. It was like one hour. I was growing up one hour outside Mexico City. So and then I, I started to to get more and more involved into that, and then I I think yeah it was this uh, art exhibition that I got in uh, here in Columbus Ohio, and I remember on the plane back to Mexico that I was like this is it, I think from here I just gonna switch into film and and try to to do something there, but uh, but yeah it's it's not easy as, as uh, of course as Mexican I got so many no's and. Uh, and finally, I can say, yeah, the last three four years, it's been amazing uh, with, like, the awards and the people reaching out. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of awesome.
0: awesome. Uh, you know, I'll, I'm definitely going to have to check out your other stuff. But based on this, uh, you deserve it, man. Um, the, uh, what were my other notes here? Uh Oh, top light. I noticed how were you a big top light guy? I noticed indoors it seemed kind of toppy, which I'm personally a fan of. Mm-hmm. How are you setting those yeah.
1: shots up? Yeah, uh, yeah. I use I think most of the time the top light uh, because I I like to light more spaces than than people. No, because for me it's about the atmospheres, and and also I I grew up uh, in, like film wise with with this uh, mentor also from Hong Kong that came to Mexico. And he was always you know, telling us like, less is more. And, and if you use one light, it's one problem, two lights is two problems. So you, you know how many problems you're gonna... And also he was like, respect the location, you know, in that sense, like feel it. like. And I think also Christopher Doyle, he says that a lot. I took a workshop with him in Mexico as well. And, uh, and they'll we'll talk about this location feeling, no, that is like the texture of the wall. So that's why for me, came I came since that time with the idea of like, yeah, I have to, if I'm gonna use any light needs to go from the top that is this, this space where the actors, they can move freely. And doesn't matter sometimes they go out no because and of course it depends the project because i have in other projects where the director is like no no I, I need the light like i need to see the face and uh so but in this one i i was having the freedom of like to be more realistic and and i think that the cinema is going in that direction no we are we're more like hyper-realistic. like when when i grew up in the 80s it was more like no top gun and this like pink light from the window or purple and it was more like ef- effects and um uh, and now I think that's also a school that we learn with uh, Rodrigo Prieto, no? Since Amores Perros in twenty, in 2000, like 20 years ago. Like that movie, I think, shows like uh, this like kind of handheld dog, but not like powerful dramatic story. Like, and it's like, it, it looks like a real life, no? It's not like we, and so I, I always try to, to do that, like that, you don't notice like exactly where is the light. Uh, of course, sometimes it's easier, sometimes not, because depends of time. Budget. But yet, uh, but but yeah, I I love using top light.
0: What uh, what fixtures were you using for that? Just like LED panels or some kind?
1: Yeah, I think I I use uh, pretty much the light mat. That's uh, one light that I really like. Now, with the Light Mat f- 4 uh, spectrum, that you have the colors that also there. I really like that. I use also the quasar in that movie a lot. Uh, like, for example, this shot where he's like dreaming that is blue light with the butterflies, that like a lot of people like stands out with that. And it's just like one bulb of quasar blue light with diffusion. And that was it. No, it's like very simple, but uh, but I like the quality. Asteras are very like practical. No, it's like you just put it there. You have the app, and Quasar, you have to cable them. But the quality is much better on Quasar in that sense. No,
0: everyone everyone loves. I mean, every DP I've ever talked to is always talking about the Astera tubes. They're just like they change the game. Um, Yeah. How, how were you, I noticed there was a lot of really good, uh, just simple white balance, uh, color contrast. Um, um, how, how were you approaching that? Like what were you rating the camera at versus what the light, obviously, you know, you had natural daylight, but, um, you know, indoors and stuff, what was your approach there?
1: Yeah. I liked, uh, like indoors. I usually, I go for like 43 and, uh, and sometimes I maintain that outside. I think in New York, I was like mainly 43 outside. I like to, to play more in that. I think that te- color temperature, it's more like uh, less saturated in color, no? For me, like, and uh, and I, I don't remember in Mexico now, but it was like maybe, yeah, five, six, or I was like kind of there, but, uh, yeah, but I try to go a little bit less than than fifty six, you no, know, in general. Like I just sometimes I balance with the wall or, or I just start to move and by my eye I like okay. I I usually have my monitor, the Flanders seventeen that I trust, and I go there and I'm like, okay, I manipulate that. And um yeah. Were you
0: using a, like a, a shooting LUT of any kind? Were you, did you have one already set up with the colorist or were you just kind of use you know, I'll worry about it later kind of thing?
1: The, can you repeat? Sorry.
0: Uh, did you have like a show LUT, like a in-camera, uh, like a custom LUT that you had made?
1: Yeah, I, I, that's the one that I, I was telling you that I, I built and uh, more for like controlling the highlights in Mexico. Mm. And I was like a little bit less saturation and mini mini look but not like i have a bunch of uh ones that i made with colorist so i i choose uh one that it was just less uh saturated and and uh yeah but i think i keep the contrast because i was worried about these lenses that i was like oh i cannot get too crazy and uh but yeah it was more yeah we in this one we were i was not too worried of like oh i need to make this look it was more like natural and then in the color correction like i know uh, where where i want to go and uh, it's just a matter of communicating that because that's sometimes a problem like like uh to in into that place with a colorist no totally
0: um what else oh just you know coming up uh what were some films that you that drew uh that you were drawn to you know coming up
1: uh like films that I work on that are going to come out?
0: No, no, like uh, just no. ones you like, you know, ones that, that made you go ah, okay. like, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Uh, at Sundance or in general? In general, just in life. In general, yeah. Yeah, no, in life, I think, uh, of course, uh, I mean, as cinematographer, I really love the work of uh, Gabriel Figueroa, which is this old school Mexican cinematographer that I invite all the people to check his work. Um he was uh, yeah doing a lot of movies with Elindio Fernandez that is a Mexican director kind of the 50s 40s and um, and of course I admire yeah the work of Inarritu uh, I really love Wong Kar Wai all these like Hong Kong people um, I will say lately mm, yeah I. Uh, Yeah, uh, I think Mother of George is one movie that I really like from from here from uh, Bradford Young. Great, Uh, yeah, great DP, great person. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, I think, yeah. In general, I think that's that's it. That's kind of my. I love a lot of Asian cinema. That's kind of, but I'm yeah I try to to watch like movie or art, art films are more like my, my vibe for sure. Totally. Yeah. I,
0: uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. I, I came up, you know, my favorite <laughs> films are like men in black,
1: you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the matrix. <laughs> no, but that's know. good. That's yeah. good. I don't yeah. know if, I mean, if, 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 I could do a film like that, because I have no idea, but, uh, because I was like talking with my publicist about that. much, she's like, Oh, you, I, which projects you can see, see yourself and I'm like, yeah, like dramas easily for me is like with all these like naturalistic style is like, yeah, I can do that easily. But if an horror film or like a science fiction, which is, I mean, I, I, I made a couple of science fiction short films and it's always very interesting not to explore new ways, but yeah. Cool. I I remember many black tree that they were shooting here around the corner.
0: Oh yeah. Um, so I gotta let you go here soon but uh, two last two questions. Um, was there anything on this film that you learned that you think would be good advice for um, cinematographers listening and also are there any personal projects that you're working on?
1: Yeah, I think I mean the advice not only in this project, it's like yeah, we have to keep fighting and be disciplined And and for me the most important thing is like to find your own voice, no? Like to have a signature and style and and it's as Christopher Doyle, Doyle he was saying at Cameron Match last time, no, he's he's like I'm tired of of watching in the mood for love in a, in a, in any mood board of any project. So we have to to experiment through our personal life. I think that's uh, the best advice, and uh, more yeah uh, observation, less phone, and I think that's. Uh, that's where, like, we, we're going to learn so many things through that to observe, like, people eating, people dancing, people or the landscapes more through Instagram or Netflix or these other things, no? Mm. And, and I'm working, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm now in standby with all this pandemia, but I, I was uh, attached or I'm still attached to a project with Namfu Fu Wang the director of uh One Child Nation to do like a series with her. But we still don't know when. And um and I'm preparing a new feature film with the actor with The Notch. We became really good friends. And we're gonna shoot we're supposed to be shooting in uh, in January, but also the pandemic pushed that there is in Mexico. But hopefully in April we're gonna be able to to start. And uh and we have already a second project in the in the developing stage so hopefully awesome. you can you can check it out yeah Are you still taking photos yeah i i mean now with my phone every, every day now it's a, a big snowstorm here in new york and uh, i cannot wait to go outside and do some pictures of that and but yeah i have my my uh, small fuji camera i have my yeah. love the fuji i got an xt3 love that yeah this actually like yeah it's cute like my, there you go i don't know this is the x30 that is small same really Same yeah and uh and yeah and sometimes i do some medium format uh, yeah this is my also my favorite nice like i really love this camera yeah
0: i got it yeah I, gotta... I try i try I was going to say, I have an RB67 or RZ67,
1: but you can't. It's so hard to just walk around. <laughs> that thing. And, and where and where are you based, Kenny? Los Angeles. Ah, okay, cool. And it's yeah. like a snowboard on your back or what is that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been ah, a snowboarder okay. my whole life. So I've got nice. a couple back there in the office. I have an office now, so I got to cool. <laughs> decorate. It. Um, but okay. awesome, man. Thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me. I really, really appreciate it. And again, the film is beautiful. So really well done.
1: No, thank you very much, and uh, I will check your podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks cool. a lot. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Bye bye.
0: Frame and reference is an Albot production. It's produced and edited by me, Kenny McMillan, and distributed by Pro Video Coalition. Our theme song is written and performed by Mark Pelly, and the FNR Matbox logo was designed by Nate Truax of Truax Branding Company. You can read or watch the podcast you just heard by going to provideocoalition.com or youtube.com slash owlbot, respectively. And as always, thanks for listening.